Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast, Path Less Follow. This is Andy Garcia checking in from Auckland, New Zealand, as I always do. This is my home. This is where we're raising the kids, having a good time, especially because we just went, you're starting to get back into normal life here in New Zealand. Um, you know, I know that the globe has seen that New Zealand has done very well in terms of, you know, this pandemic going on. And now it's 23 days with no uh, uh, no new cases of SARS-CoV-2. And I believe it's been six days since there's been no active cases at all. So, you know, everybody's getting back to life. There's some adjustments, of course, that we're going through. And that's just the way that it's going to be for now. Uh, but anyways, I want to get to uh, my podcast today. And I just want to welcome my guest. Now, I'm really excited to talk to my guest today as she, again, comes from the animal health industry and me being an animal health practitioner, you know I love these conversations. That's not all we do here on the podcast, but you know I try to do as many as possible so I can also learn um, as much as I can about other modalities, other natural tools that maybe um, I may, might be able to implement, implement myself or that I might be able to refer off to. So today I just want to um, bring in my podcast guest, Kathleen Prasad. Now she's the founder of Animal Reiki Source and president of the Animal Shelter Reiki Association known as SARA, a Reiki practitioner for over 22 years. She teaches and shares the healing benefits of Reiki meditation for animals and their caregivers. That's huge. She has created the Let Animals Lead method of animal Reiki based on a traditional Japanese Reiki techniques and over thousands of, of hours of animal Reiki experience in the field. This method represents the world's first specialized extensive and professional curriculum in animal Reiki and meditation with, anim, uh, with animals for healing. Now her nonprofit, the SARA that I just mentioned, they share and teach animal Reiki for rescued animals and their caregivers in shelters and sanctuaries around the world. So it's an absolute honor to have Kathleen on the podcast. Welcome, Kathleen. Thank you, Andy. I'm so happy to be here and uh, sending lots of love from Northern California, where I am. <laughs> there you go. Checking in from NorCal, huh? I used to live up in Northern California, up in Humboldt County. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a bit more north than me. I'm just north of the Golden Gate Bridge where I live. Oh, yeah, definitely. I know that area very well. So I grew up in Southern California. So I used to make the drive. When I moved to Northern California, I'd go back and forth about every three to four months. You know, I was a young kid back then, early 20s. So I just, you know, jump in the truck and mm -hmm. go on a road trip on a Thursday afternoon if I didn't have work on a Friday or whatnot, and then spend the weekend in uh, Southern California, then shoot back home. Yeah, that, those nice. were the days, you know, <laughs> when the 14, 13 hour drive was, you know, nothing, nothing much. <laughs> But anyways, okay, so let's dive in because I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, I'm excited to hear what you're doing in terms of Reiki and animals. Um, I want to hear about your nonprofit. But first off, let's just start with your story. So talk about, I always want to know, you know, what was life before you got into your uh, career in animal health? Yeah, sure. Well, um, I this whole journey of animal Reiki came upon me as a surprise as totally unplanned and unexpected, as I suppose the best things in life always do, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I uh, originally was um, a 
teacher in middle school in San Francisco. Um, and I thought I was going to do that for my whole life. And I taught history, I taught English, I taught drama, and um, I really loved that. And I found what was really interesting, I worked with a lot of at-risk youth, and I found that one of the things that really touched them deeply was animals. And it was a way, I had a dog at the time, and it was a way that I could relate to the kids that were completely unmotivated or very alienated from the school system and not interested in learning. And so I started to use um, curriculum based around animals. I started to write my own curriculum, like I wrote a whole big unit on kindness to animals um, to, to try to engage the kids that weren't interested. And I found that animals were like, they were just a charm in this, that kids got motivated. I had kids that never did a thing in school and they were volunteering cleaning cat cages at the shelter on the weekends for a school project for me. Wow, so it was like pretty, pretty amazing to, to see that. And of course I've always been an animal lover. And so kind of bringing the animals into teaching was, was just totally cool and totally awesome. And then kind of on a, on a separate track at the same time, I, um, went and got a Reiki treatment for myself. And again, I, this wasn't something that I was interested in myself. My mother-in-law had gotten um, a few Reiki treatments and it had healed her of some issue that was gonna require an, another follow-up surgery. And then the Reiki treatments basically healed her and her doctor said, oh, you don't have to come back for surgery. We can't explain it, but you're, you're healed on your own. And so she's like, oh, Kathleen, you have to try Reiki. It's so awesome. And I'm like, okay, well, that sounds weird. I'm not really into that, but I mean, it's my mother-in-law. What am I going to do? I have to, I have to <laughs> humor her, right? Yeah. So, so I went and got, and this was back in 1998, I went and got a, my very first Reiki treatment. And that experience completely changed the course of my life, that one hour experience. And so basically what happened, you know, in a human Reiki session, those of you who've had Reiki, you lay down on a massage table, fully clothed. It's not like a massage or anything. The practitioner puts her hands lightly on your body on different prescribed positions or slightly above kind of in your aura, depending on the practitioner. You basically just close your eyes, go to sleep and, you know, have this Reiki treatment. And I walked into that treatment a totally anxious person, someone who had suffered from severe anxiety disorder since I was about four, having panic attacks. Um, I'm a highly sensitive person and empath, and so I think that really contributed to my anxiety. But nonetheless, I had tried everything over the years to, to try to help, counseling um, different types of uh, you know mind focus, um, avoidance. That was a big thing. Just yeah. try to avoid things. Nothing really worked. And I was just constantly dealing with this anxiety. And so I'm laying on the table on my first Reiki session. And all of a sudden, like within like five minutes, like I had no idea what to expect. It just sounded weird to me. So I'm just like, well, I don't know what this is. So I just lay down. And within five minutes, I felt like I was like floating above my body, almost like I was asleep, but I was completely alert and I felt at peace. 
like a kind of an inner peace where, you know, where like that inner voice is telling you, everything's great, everything's fine, you know, that yep. really good feeling of well-being. And I was like, I have not heard that voice in many, many years. <laughs> so I, I was like amazed. And by the end of the set, you know, I had all these interesting experiences of feeling the energy flowing from my feet all the way up to my head and just all kinds of weird feelings and peace and peace and peace. And so at the end of the hour, I got off the table. I felt 10 years younger. I felt light, like I was floating as I walked out of there. And I said to myself, this is the answer to my anxiety problems in my life. I thought I was going to have to just be this way. And now I know this is the answer. And so wow. that, that moment, you know, that experience, um, I fully committed. I dove in to Reiki. I studied Reiki like intensely. I practiced every single day. And, um, and it really became, because, you know, when you're, when you suffer with anxiety disorder, I know there's probably people listening to the podcast that do, um, it's like something that you can't really explain to anyone else. And people don't understand unless they've been there themselves. And it's a very isolating, um, you know, disorder that makes you feel on the outside of everything. And it's, it's just a terror. And it's something that you feel like you can't ever really cure, you know? And so yeah. to, to feel, you know, that, and then to feel like there is an answer. I mean, I devoted myself to it. I'm like, whatever it takes, you know, I'm going to get better. And it was in the process of that, you know, Reiki practice. I learned Reiki for humans um, I eventually studied, you know, within a few years, more advanced levels of human Reiki. And I was going to hospitals and hospices and doing Reiki treatments for lots of people. So I did like extensive human Reiki training and everything. And it was over those years that the animals presented themselves and came in to my human Reiki practice. And I was volunteering walking dogs at a shelter. And so that, um, really gave me the most amazing experiences working with dogs from all different backgrounds, all different, you know, health issues and um, lots of trauma um, based issues and things. And so all of that, you know, combined all together and created this, this new way forward. And at the time, you know, nobody was doing animal Reiki you know, not even a lot of people were doing human Reiki, but animal right. Reiki wasn't a thing. And so it was really about like trusting and like walking forward. And I ended up, you know, retiring from teaching after 10 years and just diving into animal Reiki, not knowing what it is. It's not a profession. So I'm just, <laughs> you know, this has just kind of become what I do somehow, I, it's, you know, it's strange. And a lot of people were very interested in what I was doing. And so I had students and I was volunteering and I was traveling now to different animal places to help and support the staff. And it was just, it just kind of grew. And within all of that, within about, I think it took about eight or nine years, but I fully healed my anxiety. So I'm sitting here with you today and I'm not an anxious person. It no longer defines me. It no longer defines my choices. And it's not something 
that I struggle with. I, st I still get stressed out. I mean, I'm human. We all do. But I don't have that debilitating disorder that I had all of these years. And I'm so grateful to my Reiki practice and specifically with animals for helping me to heal that. Absolutely incredible journey. I mean, I just love to hear, you know, the, the in-depth, um, profound story that you just brought, you know, especially, you know, when you, when you were talking about how, you know, when you were a teacher and you were able to motivate these kids through animals, you know, which is just, it's, it's that's an incredible um, and very creative way of going about teaching kids because that's what it's all about it's all about you know motivation and whatnot you know how can you keep these kids engaged and my kids right. go to a Montessori school so you know we know all about that you know the kids you know they take on projects that they're most interested in and then the curriculum you know evolves around that you know what I mean so I love exactly. bringing the uh, the animal aspect into um, you know education as well but you know and I do understand that highly sensitive um, situation my daughter is, is, is also highly sensitive. And, um, you know, we've done some, you know, some research on, you know, what a highly sensitive person is and whatnot. And um, there's a great documentary. I can't remember the name. I should give it a nice plug. But um, anyways, there's an excellent documentary about that. And, and it just really talks about the in-depth way of, of how this, you know, of, of a highly sensitive person and what goes on in their world. Um, anyways, but yeah, so I understand that, you know, cause she would also deal with a bit of that anxiousness whenever she went into like, especially in, we were just talking about this the other day when she would go into uh, a big crowd, it was mm -hmm. like, she would almost shut down immediately. If it was just a few people like at a home party, um, that she knew she was all good. But if it was like a big birthday party with, you know, 20, 30 people there, it was like she would close off and she would almost get herself sick. It was mm -hmm. very, it was a very weird, not weird, should I say, it was a very um, interesting uh, time in her life, but she was able to just break free through, through it as well. And uh, it wasn't anything specific besides, you know, just um, allowing her to express and communicate and just, and, uh, you know, we also use a bit of essential oils as our main form of, of health care within our home. So she was, you know, using her oils when she felt that way as well. And was it really be able, was able to, you know, rise through it. And now she could walk into any scene with confidence. Um, and it's just, it's just a complete change. So oh, that's um, wonderful. Well, you know, what I've learned over these years is, you know, I always considered that empathic part of myself that sensitive part of myself to be like my weakness because you know for so many years it was <laughs> but now now i realize that it's actually my strength because i think and you you mentioned my nonprofit sarah shelter animal reiki association i would never have been able to to really connect with shelter animals and traumatize like severely traumatized you know um, nervous anxious animals I wouldn't have been able to connect with them the way that I did had I not like really known. I, I understand where their fear, I understand their anxiety. I know how overwhelmed that they feel. I know what that feels like. And I know that, that this Reiki practice can make them feel well, can make them feel, you know, strong, can make them feel grounded, can make them feel balanced and peaceful and, you know, can take that away from them. So I feel like, you know, sometimes you have to go to the darkest places to be able to, to bring the light in service to others. And so I feel grateful in that way for 
that really hard part of my journey. And, um, you know, now being able to, to help people, to help animals in a way that, you know, I otherwise wouldn't have, you know, just like your daughter, when she grows up, she's going to, she's going to understand things differently than other people Mm -hmm. that haven't gone through what she's gone through. And that's, that is a strength. Truly it is. Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely a strength. Very, very cool. I mean, I'd love to hear that, that story. So let's talk about um, your career, you know, and I know that you said it's not a profession, but you know, what was it that made you just want to specialize in, do you just work with animals first off? Um, No, I work with animals and their people. Okay. (laughs) And their people, right. Yes. (laughs) Primarily. I mean, I started out, I did all my professional training for humans. Um, and I've studied, you know, with four different teachers over the years, um, human Reiki teachers. So I have a lot of experience in different Reiki lineages and different Reiki teachings, um, and also doing a lot of work with human beings, um, especially in the early years. And so that's really informed kind of my practice now. And what I realize is that, you know, animals, they often mirror their people's issues. They often absorb their people's issues. And so like if I go to someone's house or someone's barn and their animal is not well, the person is also not well. Either they're stressed because their animal is sick, or maybe the person has emotional issues that the animal is, is mirroring back to them. And so the healing really is connected, you know, in order, and I try to help people understand that, that their animal's health is not in isolation. And actually, it's, it's our whole family. Like probably for you, when your daughter was going through all of that, that caused a great deal of stress for everyone in the family. You know, we are also connected in our family. And so healing has to happen through support, all of us supporting each other and all of us healing together. And so that's really my, my philosophy now is working with animals, but also, you know, inviting their people into the space to support the space, to share the space and to heal together with their animal. And I find that to be much more powerful and much easier of a process. You know, in the beginning when I started out, I would like go to someone's, you know, house and they'd be like, yeah, you know, my cat has cancer or whatever. And so I'd take the cat in a separate room and the person would be, you know, in the other part of the house, you know, struggling with grief, having a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. (laughs) And I would be just with the cat and then I'd be done. I'd be like, okay, bye. Good luck with everything, you know? And I, I sort of slowly realized wait, that person also needs to be included. The person is also hurting. The person also, you know, needs to be part of this process to be empowered, to help their animal. And so that's what I really try to do. Like if I do a Reiki session with a person, I try to give them something, a technique, a meditation, something that they can do with their animal when I leave to really empower them to create that peaceful space. You know, they can also do it. We all can do it. And the great thing about this practice, animal Reiki, it's, it's wonderful to do as just, um, you know, oh, I feel so peaceful. It's like a spa day, right? Animal Reiki spa day for nice. a healthy animal. Oh, I feel so great. I feel so peaceful. We relax together, you know, but it also works on creating that peaceful space for every situation all through life. And even, you know, at the end of life. When you get to that space with your animal where there's nothing else that you can do, Reiki also can be brought into that space because 
It's about healing the spirit. It's about creating this deep peace that can embrace any, any situation, even the most difficult situation can be transformed into peace through Reiki. And so I think, you know, bringing humans in is super important. But the thing that makes my practice, and actually what's funny, Andy, is it actually is a profession now. It's, it's caught on so much <laughs> that there are a ton of people that do it now. And so I'm really excited about that. <laughs> it's not like fringe anymore. It's like people, people want, they know it's good for themselves and they want to extend that to their animals. So there's a ton of animal Reiki professionals out there in the world now, but just bringing that, that in to, to a more um, connectedness, I think is really, really important. And then what makes my let animals lead method different is that, you know, over the years I realized animals relate to energy and they relate to connection in much deeper ways than we do as humans, because we're kind of, I don't want to say dense, like I don't want to insult us as, as a human beings, but yeah. on the whole, we're not very sensitive to energy. We need a lot of practice to like be able to like be more open and more sensitive, but animals already are completely relating on the energetic level. And so when I tried originally to just take what I learned with human Reiki and just do it to animals, some animals tolerated it and some animals for example, the shelter animals I talked about, which have been my greatest teachers, many of them traumatized, you know, they might be afraid of hands. So maybe they've only been, you know, abused with hands. And so now here I am walking towards them with my hands out because I'm going to help them. They don't see those hands as helping hands. And so <laughs> you get mm -hmm. animals running from you and being terrified of you. And so, you know, over the years, I slowly had to let go of a lot of the human protocol and create something, create like a bridge of gentleness and trust with animals. And, and so I've worked with so many kinds of animals, um, you know, domestic type of animals and farm animals and exotic animals and wild animals. And so I had to keep on taking a step back and just, you know, being more and more open and more and more gentle. So I didn't scare anyone. I didn't come on too strong for any animals. And so what I use now, what I've created through all these years is based on Reiki, but it uses a totally different approach and protocol to honor animals. Nice. And I, and I believe that you're, you're, you know, what, what you viewed as something that was kind of holding you back in life, being a high, you know, highly sensitive person and anxiety um, has been ultimately your greatest gift because, you know, from what I, what I get from, you know, how, what you just said is that you're able to connect with these animals on your own level. Right. And using these gifts of this, you know, heightened sensitivity to really build this connection and make this connection. Um, and I think it's absolutely phenomenal. And, and I think you're, you're right in your in your sweet spot in terms of your life's work, you know, working with these animals. And you're, and you're right. You know, it's it's about the environment in so many different ways. And you see these, I'm, I'm sure you see these more often than not with, with your sheltered animals of how their environment created 
of this world that they view um, to where it's to the point where you put your hands up and, the, and that instantly strikes fear in them. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I mean, some animals, you can't, you can't touch them. You know, you can't, like if I'm working with, um, I work with the Care Foundation in Florida and teach classes there every February and they have all exotic animals. So they have, they're all rescued from, you know, often from very terrible abusive situations. They have bears, they have tigers, they have um, cougars and leopards and um, they have monkeys and uh, all kinds of lizards and alligators. They even have a crocodile. I mean, every kind of animal. You can't go in and sit next to a cro crocodile and put your hand on them, right? Yeah. So how are you, how are you going to, well, you, you could, but it would be, you know, the last thing that you did. Um, <laughs> so what, how do you, how do you support those animals when they're sick, when they're ailing, if they are suffering from trauma? How do you support them if you can't touch them? And that was, that was like the question that I had to start asking myself because, you know, I didn't want to just write them off and go, oh, well, those animals, you know, can't be helped with Reiki. So I'll move to, to an animal that's tame enough and trust enough that I can help them with Reiki. And that wasn't good enough for me. Of course, my heart went out to the most traumatized, the most untrusting, the ones that were the most shut down. Those are the ones that I, I knew I had to reach. And, and so it was, it was about like building a bridge that, that focuses on your state of mind and your state of heart. And that's why meditation took a central role in the Let Animals Lead method that I create. It's really about like an animal guided meditation for healing. That's really what, in essence, what I'm doing. And you know, for human Reiki, some, some human Reiki practitioners, they don't meditate at all. It's just really focused on the hand-based protocols. And it's great, it's fine for people. You know, we relate to energy in, in a much more tactile way. But for animals, I had to, I had to find something else. I had to go deeper. I had to challenge myself to let go of my hands, you know, to yep. let go of, of, even to let go of like fixing what's wrong. Because what I learned with animals pretty early on is they're also highly sensitive, way more than me even. Mm -hmm. They're so sensitive that they sense when I'm thinking about what's wrong with them and it makes them uncomfortable. So I could be sitting with, with a dog in a shelter and just relaxing and enjoying, you know, the yard and, and just the sun. And, you know, we take a walk together, then we sit in the yard and just be together. And then my mind would turn to, oh, I read their card. I know that they were horribly abused or they were from a hoarding situation. Or I start looking at their skin, they have mange, or, you know, maybe they had, were hit by a car, their leg was amputated. You know, I start seeing something, my mind turns towards what's wrong. And immediately they put their guard up. They immediately stop and go, look at me like untrusting again. And all that trust that I built when I was at ease, when I was totally, you know, open and happy with them, that all goes south. And so that was another big piece of what I was learning from animals was I had to focus on the perfection in this moment. And that right. is not easy to do if you're sitting with, for example, um, you know, a farmed animal, maybe a calf that was rescued from a veal crate and, you know, basically abused and tortured before they came here and they're completely shut down. They're sitting there with you. How do I focus on the perfection? Oh my God, where is it? <laughs> you know, everything looks terrible from this vantage point. 
And that's what meditation, that's where meditation comes in and that's its strength because meditation helps you expand your mind and see things from a wider view or the way I like to see it, looking with my Reiki eyes or looking with my heart. If I look with my heart and see the heart of the animal, I can see their beautiful inner light, their spirit, their essence, and that beautiful light never is diminished. It is never dimmed. Nothing can ever, you know, make it, you know, ugly or small. That beautiful light is always perfect. So mm. that is that was a, a huge piece of having success with abused animals was learning how to see that inner light, that beautiful inner strength, their resilience, their courage you know, all of that and, and really be in my mind and heart, be in that place with them. Because in a way, just the way I talked about how animals, you know, they mirror back to their people a lot of times, their people's issues. <laughs> we can yeah. also be mirrors to animals. So if we walk through a shelter and we look at every dog in the kennels and we think, oh, poor thing. Oh my God, that's so sad. Oh, that poor thing. We are actually reflecting negativity onto them like a mirror reflecting right. it back. So what they see is, oh, there's something wrong with me or this is, you know, this is bad. You know, things are bad. Things are scary. Things are sad. Things are stressful. And so we have to, to me, what I teach my students to do, we have to take responsibility and say, you know, I need to be a mirror of light, of mm. strength, of love, of peace, and I need to remind the animal, because maybe it's hard for them to remember at this moment when they're sick, when they're ailing, when they're traumatized. So I'm gonna remind them right now, you are strong, you are beautiful, you can, you can make it through this, you are loved, you are safe. You know, that's the message that I'm sending with not just my mind, but my heart, like my whole energy is going to expand and just bring that message to them. And let me tell you, it makes a, it, I can't even explain to you the miraculous transformations I've seen. One story that, that comes to my mind, there was a dog, a really old dog that um, had like a lot of fatty tumors had come in, had um, you know fur, like matted fur and everything, had just come into the shelter, was very, very ill, and um, was completely shut down. And so they asked me, can you work with this new one? We have to, the vet's, you know, coming and we have to figure out what's wrong. But the dog came in, is completely shut down and, and is very sick and is old. Okay. So you go into the shelter, there's all this barking noise, unfamiliar. And then there's this old dog laying down in the back of the kennel, head down, like completely like nobody home, like the eyes are just, they're open, but they're like vacant. You've probably seen and experienced that. It's, it's, oh, yeah. yeah. And so I sat down in front of the kennel, the dog completely ignored me, just like I wasn't even there. And I started to do my Reiki meditation. And when I do that meditation, I imagine, and I can do a short, short one for you guys too, so that your listeners can practice it as well. But I imagine that I'm the light and I'm expanding the light and all is well. So I just imagine every cell of my being is just radiating that, you know, all is well, peace, love. And when I looked at this dog, I looked past everything that was wrong and just saw this beautiful light 
that was really the essence of this dog. So I sat with this dog for, you know, about a half an hour, 45 minutes, something like that. And I knew when the session was done because the dog got up, shook his body, came over to me, walked towards me to the very front of the kennel, wagging his tail, and then turned over on his back and offered me his belly while his tail was wagging. Wow. Incredible. The dog absolutely just lit up. I mean, spark, sparkle in his eye, you know, (laughs) hope in his spirit, um, like joyful, like a little puppy again, although extremely old and everything, but it was like the puppy came out and the happiness and the joy. And it was such a quick transformation and I didn't even touch him. So it was, it's those moments that really um, fuel (laughs) the work that I do because um, it's, I wish, I wish every single animal who was suffering could have a practitioner, you know, come and sit with them and create the space for them because it really is transformational. And that's what's, really motivated me and Sarah, my nonprofit to, you know, now we have, you know, about a little over 200 members who've all been trained in this method and are going out in their communities, um, volunteering for animals in shelters and rescue centers. But also I train teachers to go out and teach the staff these meditation techniques so that, you know, in between cleaning their kennel or in it, when they're actually on site, you know, doing a rescue, they can practice these meditations and help bring peace into the most horrendous moments. You know, it is possible. We can create that peace. We just have to dig really deep. And these meditation practices really help us to do that. Incredible. So let me, let me just ask if, you know, when you're approaching these um, rescue centers and whatnot, how open are they for you and your, your instructors to come in to a space like that? Is it, is it pretty easy just to, you know, cause I know that some people are guarded in this, in this area, right? They just don't understand really. It's not really guarded, but they just don't understand, um, you know, what this is, you know, this, this deeper level of healing and whatnot and these, in these modalities that we, you know, that we tap into as, you know, holistic health practitioners. So are these kennels pretty open? You talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, every, you know, there's so many different answers to that question. It's unique. You know, each place is totally unique, but what we've developed in Sarah, that is kind of our, our creed and the way that we do it is, we go in as a regular volunteer and we become part of the team and we work on whatever they need us to work on. We put ourselves to work, you know, like at the time when I very first started doing Reiki in shelters, I was walking dogs. I was walking, walking dogs and, and, you know, giving them some playtime. And so then, you know, they knew me, they knew that I did well with the dogs, that I was reliable, that I came on time, that I came, you know, two or three times a week for many months. And so then when I said to them, hey, you know, would you mind if I, I learned something new? It's called Reiki. And, um, you know, basically I sit with the animals and share a peaceful space with them. Would it be okay, you know, if I did that in the yard after I walked the dogs? And I remember the very first supervisor said to me, she goes, Reiki. Well, I don't really know what that is, but, you know, it sounds good. It sounds like the animals would enjoy it. They do need more peace here. So, so yeah, why don't you go ahead, knock yourself out. 
<laughs> you know, in that particular shelter, they weren't that interested in it. Um, yeah. But there are other shelters that I volunteered at here in the Bay Area who were very interested and they actually would tell me, can you actually work with this dog, this dog, this cat came in that was poisoned. Can you work with this cat? You know, she's transitioning or, you know, whatever. So I actually got more like support from that sh particular shelter. But I think the key is that, you know, find out what, what your shelter needs and help them with their needs. Like go in in service and help mm. them get done what they need to get done and, and be a part of their mission. Don't go in there with your mission saying, um, I need to do, I want to do this and I need to do this because then you just end up making more work for them. And if they don't know what Reiki is, not only are you a stranger, but you're adding to their plate. Like, okay, now I have to learn some holistic modality and I don't even have time to clean the kennels. Like what, what is going on here? You know? So yeah. we've learned over, you know, um, Sarah has been around now um, for 12 years and we've grown a lot. And we have, um, as I say, we have right now, we have about 75 um, rescue organizations that have an official Sarah program in, you know, in their, um, in their center. And we have many more that are just unofficial and just allow Reiki. Um, but we've seen time and again, that it's about, you know, Reiki is supposed to, we bring it in to support, to help, you know, we offer Reiki to the staff, you know, for compassion fatigue. <laughs> so yep. it's about how, how can I help you? You know, having that mindset makes a big difference in openness. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, as we're talking about these holistic modalities and whatnot, especially with Reiki here, um, just want to get your <coughs> viewpoint. I mean, in, in these current times, you know, how do you view, view the, you know, the, the standard animal health care system that we live in? Well, I have a couple answers to that question. You know, one is, I think that holistically speaking, it's a lot more open now than it was 22 years ago when I started. So in other words, there's more education, there is more offerings, more vets are learning new things and have more to offer just because their patients demanded of them. You know, people want a more expanded toolbox. So they're going out and they're yeah. learning acupuncture and chiropractic massage and, and essential oils and, you know, whatever else. So, um, so I think that's really positive. Um, that there's just a more awareness on the whole and more openness to, to those possibilities. But on the other hand, I have to say, you know, when I look at right now in the news with the pandemic and everything, and I don't know if you guys have this going on in New Zealand, maybe not because it didn't hit you guys as hard as us, but in the United States, we have this like terrible thing with the factory farms now where they're euthanizing, you know, millions of animals now because of, you know, the spread of COVID and not being able to get to the slaughterhouses. It has exposed this incredibly broken, abusive system and put it out into the light. And so I look at that and I go, what, what are we doing? Like as a society, you know, on the one hand, we're like trying to expand our healing modalities for our dogs and our cats and create this really great environment and in shelters and all this kind of stuff. And then on the other hand, you know, in the dark, you know, under the guise of, you know, whatever, we're hiding all this stuff. There's so much suffering 
and and just um, a lack of humanity, you know, for these animals. And so, to me, I see an incredible opportunity right now. You know, we know that COVID started in a wet market. We know that it spreads in slaughterhouses, you know, incredibly. We know that if we continue to treat animals this way, we're going to breed more and more viruses that jump species that are going to cause, you know, the kind of devastation around the world that we're seeing. So we have, we have, we're at a tipping point in history. We're at a moment. And I really hope that we think about our connection to animals and how we're, we're truly all one and we can't ignore our connection to each other any longer. It's like our survival as a species depends on rethinking these kinds of relationships and, and having more compassion for others. You know, not only other people, but also other species and also for nature, like thinking about all of these things. This to me is, is really a historical time where the hidden suffering is out in the light for everyone to see. And, you know, we're home in California. We've been home since March. We have a lot of time to think. Mm, and yeah. So we need to think about, you know, where do we want to go from here? You know, and for me, I feel like my animal Reiki practice, it, the center of it is about opening your heart, um, holding space, having compassionate presence for others to support them when they're suffering, to ease that suffering, you know, and that is a practice that I don't just do in my closet when I'm alone, quiet, and everything's perfect and no one's bothering me. That is a practice that is about activism in my world, acting for compassion, acting for peace, acting for justice, all of these things. It's, it's totally related. I think you can't, you can't pull them apart. And, and, you know, I hope, I mean, I really hope that, that human beings take a hard look at society right now and think about, you know, how are we going to move forward for our world, for all of us, so that planet Earth survives and we all make it, you know, we're going to have to come together and rethink. We're smart. Human beings are super smart. We're going to have to rethink what we're doing. And I think, if compassion can guide us, then we'll always make the right decisions. Absolutely. Well said. It's, it's, it's a, a massive wake up call at the moment, you know, totally. and exposing so many elements that we are now aware of, you know, so now's the perfect opportunity to make these changes, you know, and, and adapt um, and, you know, be more compassionate and, and, you know, spread more love, you know, it's, it's, it's lacking. You know, and this causes these issues in, in, in the, the emotional and environmental upset is just a, you know, in, the, in, in this case here with, you know, what we got with the pandemic is, is, is a perfect um, scenario for, uh, you know, a virus to thrive, right? In Absolutely. this low vibrational, low vitality um, state of you know and like just you were talking about the wet market right so the wet market is the perfect breeding ground not only is it around um you know just a bunch of animals all slammed together but these animals are absolutely um 
what's the word? You know, their, their, their world is crushed. <laughs> you know, they're stuffed in these cages, which causes a very, very low vibration in the animal. And that's the perfect breeding ground for these viruses to just thrive in. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so it, it is, it's a huge, and just from that, you know, it's a wake up call. Okay. You know, we need to do things better there. And then just as you were explaining the, the way that we farm, it needs to get better. You know, we, we can't have the, we can't follow these traditional protocols of, of just slamming a bunch of animals together and thinking that they're okay, you know, just for the sake of food, you know, it's, it's, everything is connected, like you said, and the, the, it, until we wake up and realize that we're going to continue to struggle. And this is a, this is a great opportunity to, you know, wake up a little bit more and open up our eyes a bit further. And I, and I hope that many out there that may be listening um, are in tune to this. And that's probably why you're listening to this podcast. You know, the path less followed is, is the journey that I'm on is the journey that Kathleen's on as well, you know, to try and spread some light, you know, and try and um, provide a new way, you know, a path that's less followed from the tradition and the norm. Um, and, and, and I think this is an excellent opportunity to do so. So what is, when we're talking about, I, th I think there's a few out there that are maybe listening to this podcast and they go, well, what is exactly that you do? You know, in terms of like, so if, if I had an ill, let's say I had an animal, oh, let's just take my dog, for example. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, she's got, yeah, it's, it, you know, long story short, these last couple of months have been really hard on my animals for one reason or another. Um, anyways, my dog had injured her, both of her ACLs running on the beach about two or about two or three weeks before, um, you know, the, the lockdown and whatnot in March. So she's been kind of hobbling around. So let's say I got my, my injured dog here mm -hmm. and I want to come get some uh, treatment from you. Mm -hmm. You know, how does that whole process work? So then people are just familiar with your approach. So what I would do, actually, I would come to you. I would come to okay. your house because cool. your dog's going to be more calm, right? Yep. Um, and so then what I would do um, when I would come in is, you know, would sit down with you and just greet your dog. And what's your dog's name? Stormy. Stormy. Okay. So I would, I would say, hey, Stormy, you know, and, and like, you know, pet her, maybe sit with you and just kind of, you know, chit chat a little bit. Um, of just about stormy and what's going on and everything, but not a lengthy discussion that is emotional because that upsets the animal because they sense that you're worried and you know all of you start thinking in your mind about the procedures and the vets and they sense all of that stress and then they and then they're all like ah! so we don't want to get there so it's just a very like more like greeting hello whatever and then. I would um, want to do a session for Stormy and I would ask you like if you'd like to share the session. Some people say, no, you know, not really. I'm going to go in the other room and do some paperwork. Totally fine. But I will invite you to share the session. So a lot of people would say, yeah, I'd love to get involved. And then I'll say, okay, so either um, I can guide you in meditation. We can meditate together with Stormy. Or if you'd like to feel what um, human Reiki, hands-on Reiki feels like you can sit in a chair and I will do a chair treatment on you and invite Stormy to share the space because I don't have to touch Stormy for, for the healing and the peace and just the well-being and everything to occur. 
And so then you could make that decision like, oh yeah, I want to try some hands-on Reiki or, oh, I love to meditate. Let's meditate together. And then um, we'll sit for, you know, 30 to 60 minutes. We'll sit with stormies and we're going to leave the door open. We're going to let the other animals in and out. We're not going to go into a weird place that he's not comfortable with he or she. I'm not sure. She. <laughs> she sorry. That's so okay. we, want, we want her to be like comfortable in a place where, where she feels safe and um, able to leave. Um, that's a big thing is that animals choose and then she will decide what it looks like. So um, if we were meditating together, I would sit on the couch with you, or I might sit, we might sit on pillows on the floor, depending on, you know, what, what she's more comfortable with. And I would guide you in meditation. And then you would get to watch her slowly be embraced by this space of peace and well-being, and how her behavior changes from that. So for me, it's like relaxation. Like, um, if a dog paces and sniffs, they start pacing less or they pace and then they come over and lay down next to you and then they get up and go sniff something. Then they come back and lay down. So there's movement, but we see, you know, um, relaxation. Some animals actually lay down and fall asleep and start snoring, you know, <laughs> um, other animals, they stay kind of active, but they, they stay like connected and with you. And then if she decided, you know, I don't like this Reiki thing, she might leave the room. And in that case, I'd say, well, let me give you a chair treatment. We'll wait and see what happens. And probably she's going to come back in when she feels that, that session happening with you. She's going to be like, oh, dad is, is on board and this feels nice. So I'm going to come lay down at dad's feet and like soak up this goodness, you know. And so yep. we would see like, the coming and going, the movement, the, the falling asleep, the relaxation, whatever that is, her leaving and coming back, we would see that all within that 30 to 60 minute period, but it's really up to her. It's nothing I'm going to impose on her. It's nothing that I'm doing to her. It's more like, a, like creating a space through meditation, creating this beautiful, peaceful space, and then inviting her in. And what that means is she can connect in any way she chooses as minimally she's a little more tentative or as like coming right in, sitting on my lap and falling asleep at, you know, as like a total like sponge, Reiki sponge would do. So <laughs> every animal will connect in their own way in a completely different way. And hopefully you would also feel that relaxation and you guys would actually share in it with each other. So it's like deepening the bond with each other, which is also very healing to your animal. Reiki itself doesn't do the healing. It doesn't like, you know, I'm not sending energy to heal or unblock or do anything like that. Reiki is about creating um, like inner peace, like a, a sense of well-being. And when we do that, um, our, our, our body relaxes and then all of our systems are like optimal to heal themselves. So Reiki creates the, the ideal conditions for self-healing is what it does. Because mm -hmm. when you're stressed and you're like, uh, you know, or you're suffering, you're in pain, you can't heal, you know. Right. But when yep. you are in a space of relax, like deep relaxation and well-being, now all of your systems in your body and your mind and your spirit, they all work optimally to help you you know, heal. Cause we're all like amazing healing machines. Each one of us. Incredible, right? Totally. It's amazing. But we have to be 
in the right conditions for them to work properly, right? And so Reiki helps create that condition um, and then your animal can, um, can kind of sink to that. So like you were talking about like lower vibration. So Reiki creates like a balance, peace vibration that's kind of dominant in the space. And then the animal can walk away from that or they can step in and kind of sink in with that and then receive the benefit of it. Nice, and that that's a, a clear picture and understanding. I love the way that you explain that, you know, because I think a lot of people, they just, they just don't know, you know, especially in my practice too, it's like holistic health practitioner. What do you exactly do? You know, Reiki <laughs> practitioner, what does that actually mean? You know? So right. I love to really find out just the basic um, approach in terms of this is what happens in a session. You know, so it's, and, and for me, that's just, that sounds like a really good session for everybody, you know, to be able just to, to sit in that peaceful space um, and then allow your animal to come and go and enter and absorb what they want um, or not, you know, it's all, it's all up on, it's all on their terms. And, and then afterwards you, you, I would tell you, okay, now see, look for healing shifts, you know, anything mm -hmm. you notice that is changing and it can be yeah. in an area you hoped for or it could be in another unexpected area, like an animal that has a skin condition, all of a sudden they're sleeping through the night, you know, could yep. be just some kind of a shift or a change. And that's kind of showing you that their healing process is started and how long that takes, what it looks like is, is their process and it's, you know, their journey, but you can at least see, oh, you know, things are shifting, things are happening, things are moving into the healing process. I had a student come to one of my level one classes here in Northern California and um, I had done a distant treatment for her dog. And so I, of course, invited her to sit with her dog at a certain period of time. And I did a meditation for them and everything. And so she had had um, some kind of a neck issue for like nine months. And she'd been to the chiropractor a million times. And she'd got acupuncture. And she did massage. And she just, it just was, was painful. And she just got used to it. So she had the session for her dog, but she sat with her dog and they, they, she shared the space and supported the session. And the next morning she woke up and her neck was healed. Wow. And then she immediately called me and said, can I sign up for next class? And so it was funny <laughs> because she told me the reason I'm here is because I, my dog got a treatment with you, but I was the one who was healed and I wasn't expecting that. And so this, the space of the space of well-being and connection and compassion that we have with our animals is an extremely powerfully healing space. And we just have to make the choice to step into that space. And Reiki meditation helps create, helps us know what that space is and to choose to enter in. But in truth, we all have this capacity within us. It's just that we don't, you know, Reiki practitioners spend a lot of time practicing it. <laughs> That's what sets us apart. <laughs> but we don't have some kind of magical ability or anything. We're just, right. we're tuned in, you know, yep. but all of, all of you can, can totally tune in. And if we have time, I can do a short, just a three minute little breathing practice and help all of your listeners to, to, to tune in right now to help their yep. animals. Yes, definitely. Let, let's close the session um, with that meditation. I think that would be excellent uh, to be able to provide those tools because that's what we and that's how I like to, um, you know, educate my clients as well. It's it's, you know, you're part of the journey, you know, and the more that you can do, um, that's not just me, you know, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm 
almost like the 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 guide you know so i'm going to guide you down the path so you and your animals can come together and be part of the process together to um you know on this healing journey you know and, and that's that's kind of how i like to approach it so you know little techniques like this is very powerful um and so what i wanted to discuss is your is your method um in terms of you know animals lead method now i know this is you know, a, a technique that, you know, you first specialized in. So let's talk about the six pillars. What do you mean by six pillars? Can you discuss okay. those? So this is, the, this is the method. It comes down to six things. Number one, it's based on Japanese Reiki techniques. So as I said before, I've done all my training in that for many years, and that is the foundation. The stuff I've learned in Reiki classes is the foundation for all the meditations that we do. Secondly, and this, is, this sets us apart. We only use touch when it's animal initiated. So we never approach an animal with our hands or initiate that touch ever. And that's something that builds trust. It's super important. That way I know if, if I touch an animal, it's because they wanted me to. And they showed me exactly where to touch them. Maybe the horse turned around and backed up into me. Uh, maybe the cat came and laid in my lap. Maybe the dog came and, and offered me his sore paw. I don't know. They all, they all do it differently, but they do it exactly the way they want in their own comfortable way. And if they don't, I don't care. I, I, I don't need it. So that's really important. Third, I talked about this earlier. We focus on the animal's perfection in this moment. Mm -hmm. So we never focus on the ailments. We don't go through the medical history and think about all the issues that need to be fixed. That is the opposite of what we do. We only see the beautiful, bright spirit and the perfection in this moment. Fourth, meditation is taught as a way of compassion. So I teach meditation, sitting, standing, walking, eyes open, eyes closed. So it's more of um, being present with animals. And that can look a lot of different ways, depending on what kind of animal and what kind of setting. But it's about your state of mind and heart and, and that compassionate presence more than oh, I'm sitting down with my eyes shut right now. That's how we usually think of meditation, right? Yeah. But you could also meditate while you're walking your dog, you know? So seeing it more as a way of compassion than like a body position, okay? Fifth, we develop mindfulness with animals for peace and healing. So it's the mindfulness that creates the healing space. It's not some magical power. It's not that I'm channeling some kind of something. I'm learning how to harness mindfulness for good. And this is something, again, that we can all do. And sixth, and this might be the most important of all, we honor animals as healers and teachers in their own right. Because if you approach an animal with pity, looking down on them, thinking to yourself, oh, I'm the healer. I'm here to fix you. You're going to get a lot of resistance and you're going to have difficulty making deep connections with animals because they sense that and they don't like it. But if we can learn how to see every animal as a healer, as a teacher to us, we're the ones in kindergarten with this energy connection stuff. They already know and live in that space. So we need to respect them as teaching us and understand the power of healing. I saw it with my eyes with those students many, so many years ago, who did nothing. And when animals were involved, they became, they came into their fullness. The animals did that. 
Shelter animals did that for these kids, healed them without even trying, just who they were, right? So it's about like awakening to that truth that informs who we are as Let Animals Lead practitioners and how we approach animals every time with honor, with respect, with, with awe, really knowing everything they're bringing to the, to the equation. And so that changes the dynamic with you and the animal, and it makes for a much um, smoother, deeper connection with them. So those six things really encompass what I do, totally. <laughs> Once again, well said. Incredibly explained there. Very, very powerful. So let's let's talk about. Um, you know, there's so many things that I want to talk to you about, to be honest. But I want to hear <laughs> a bit more about your, uh, your 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 Sarah program. So can you just tell us a little bit more about that and how we can support? I mean, I know you've really actually explained quite a bit of it, you know, on this podcast today. But just you know, you know, anything that we missed, and then how can we support? Well, Shelter Animal Reiki Association, our goal is that every rescued animal has Reiki to support them. And, and by Reiki, I mean the let animals lead method, the way that we approach them, which is really specializing for traumatized animals, um, nervous animals, um, animals who've been through something. Um, we wish and want every animal to have access to that. We also want to support all of those amazing staff who are on the front lines of animal abuse in this country, who are on the front lines of animal rescue, who burn out, you know, who suffer, who have very high rates of depression and suicide. We want to support those people and help them learn mindfulness, learn meditation, these self-healing techniques to help them heal themselves so that they can be of better service to animals. So that really is our work for both the rescued animals and their caregivers and creating peace and empowerment for both of those, both of them, the animals and the people. That is very healing. Um, what, what we do is we're all volunteer-based. So we have, I have practitioners. We're all trained in the Let Animals Lead method. We have practitioners and teachers all around the world that are volunteering in their community. So none of us get paid. I've been doing this for 12 years. I don't get paid for this. This is just the work of my heart. To, to teach and empower my students to go out and make a difference for these animals. So we depend on donations. It's what we really depend on. So if you feel kindred to our mission, you can join as a community supporter. And when you join as a community supporter, it's $50 a year. You also get access to our meetings. And we're having one on this uh, tonight, actually. And you get access to the recordings if you can't make it. Um, the one tonight, we're having the founder of the CARE Foundation, the exotic animal rescue I mentioned. She's going to yeah. come and speak tonight, and she's going to speak about, um, you, did you hear about the Tiger King? I don't know if that series was big in New Zealand, but it sort of- Oh, like, yeah. Uh, Netflix thing. I got, I got into about an episode, and I was like, ah, oh, I'm done with this. I couldn't watch it. It uncovers yeah. so much abuse in the world. So she's going to talk about- the effect that that show has had on her industry, but also her, her work with rescued animals and why she's not open to the public and why she, you know, how like all these practices in this, in the captive tiger industry has harmed animals and, and what you can do to, to help animals. 
in this, in this situation. She's going to talk about her work. She cares for over 200 rescued exotic animals right now at wow. the Care Foundation. She's going to tell some stories. Um, we have had um, people come and talk about um, crystals and healing. We've had people come and talk about animal communication. We have had people, we had, um, we sometimes have people come on and talk about business, like um, how to, how to expand your holistic business. So we have all kinds of interesting speakers come all the time to our monthly meetings. Um, and so you get access to those meetings and their recordings and to the library of recordings if you join us as, as a member. And so that really is, we want to educate people, not only about the work we do, but about the work that our friends do, because <laughs> we're all kind of part of the same community and we're all doing the same work just in different ways to help animals. And so, um, so anyway, that, that is a, a great way that you can help us. And you can also just make a donation. We are a 501c3 nonprofit here in the United States. And so it is tax deductible. Um, and uh, we use all of our, all of our work is really in developing programs, um, educational materials, outreach, um, sending our teachers and practitioners to places where this kind of training is needed um, and they're asking for help and support. And that is what we do with all of, all of the funds that we, that we have. Incredible, incredible work that you're doing out there, Kathleen. So tell the audience, where can they find, you know, Sarah, um, websites, social media, or even your practice itself? Uh, where yes. can we find you? Where can we follow you? So you can find me at Animal Reiki Source. Dot com. That's my website. I am also on Facebook, Animal Reiki Source Facebook. You can also find me on Pinterest. I'm also on Twitter. I'm also um, on Instagram, Animal Reiki Source. You can find me in all those places. Um, Sarah also has a website, shelteranimalreikiassociation.org is our website. We also have um, Shelter Animal Reiki Association Facebook page. Um, we have a Twitter, uh, I believe it's Sarah underscore news is our Twitter account. We also have um, Pinterest. Um, so feel free to um, follow Sarah and join us as well. You can also find Sarah on my Animal Reiki Source page. I have a page connecting to Sarah as well. Um, and I hope to see you guys out on social media and maybe even at a future class. I have lots of audio recorded classes that are just on demand and all kinds of different topics. Um, I also do online training for level one animal Reiki. I have a class coming up in July. Anyone who's interested, it's limited. It's very small numbers. So don't wait because they do usually fill up. Um, but I do um, offer those, those kinds of things. Oh, I'm also on YouTube. I just did a new meditation today, the turtle wisdom meditation. Um, nice. And so uh, every week or so, I put up a new uh, animal Reiki meditation sort of based on a concept, an animal bringing in a lion or dog wisdom or cat wisdom or something. So you can find all my, um, on my animal Reiki source YouTube channel. You can watch all those videos anytime. There you go. All right, folks. Well, you heard it. Go support Sarah um, and, and all the incredible work that they're doing. So Kathleen, if you would, would uh, be so kind to just close out this session um, with your, you know, your, your, your uh, meditation that you said that you'd yes. be able to provide us. 
Absolutely. Okay. So just find a comfortable position to sit, shoulders and arms relaxed. You can just rest your arms in your lap, palms up, palms down, you know, whatever's comfortable. And just take a moment to bring your awareness to your breath. So as you inhale, just feeling where the breath touches your nose and expands your lungs. And as you exhale, feeling the breath again, moving out your nose. So just bring your mind to that breath for a moment. And now I want you to bring your mind to your lower belly and about two or three finger widths below your belly button. I want you to imagine there's this beautiful sphere of light. It's this center of your energy in the center of your body. Imagine that light is just sitting there radiating outwards and just bring your mind there. This is your connection to the earth your connection to grounding. And now I want you to bring to mind an animal or animals in your life that you'd like to support and share healing with. They may be sitting with you. Just bring your awareness to their physical presence if they're with you. And if they're not with you, I want you to just bring them to your mind and heart and feel your connection. And you're gonna just simply invite them to share this space with you that we're gonna create with this breathing practice. It's completely up to them. We just invite them to share the space. So I want you to imagine your breath as a beautiful, pure and clear light. When you breathe in, it comes in through your nose, fills your body all the way down to that light and your lower belly. And just before you exhale, imagine that this light brightens in every cell of your being, dissolving any stress, any discomfort, and replacing it with this strong feeling of well-being in every cell. And then as you exhale, imagine this light can expand like a beautiful, gentle mist out of your skin, into your aura, and into the universe. And breathing in, filling your body with light, connecting to the hara, then brightening this light in every cell, feeling that well-being. And then breathing out, expanding this light in all directions. Breathing in, connecting, brightening, and breathing out, expanding. Breathing in, connecting, brightening, and breathing out, expanding. And so now you feel that your whole being is encompassed in this beautiful light. There's a light 
filled with well-being, filled with peacefulness, filled with harmony, perfect balance. And again, just inviting your animals to step into the space to share if they wish. But we just hold that space as an invitation, completely up to them. And then take a moment to thank them for sharing this space with you in whatever way they chose to. It was just perfect in this moment. And setting your intention to finish the practice, take a nice deep breath, slowly come back and open your eyes. And this was a very shortened version, but you can do this practice in the presence of your animals. You can do it just bringing them to your mind and heart. You can do it in two minutes. You can do it in 30 minutes. Really um, just my suggestion is to do it whenever you feel stressed or your animal feels stressed. It's a great way to um, embrace that moment with peace. Absolutely. Kathleen, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us here today, uh, providing your wisdom, your heart, uh, your, your dedication and passion to the world and, uh, and that powerful technique that you just gifted us. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful being able to share all of this with you and with your listeners and I wish everybody blessings with their animals.